0: You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Good morning, Christ Walk. Happy Fourth of July. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. One person doing awesome. Awesome! It is so so good to see all of you um, here today. I'm excited. I brought some some toys with me up here, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, but I'm really I'm I'm pumped about today's message. I've been looking forward to today's message for. Uh, For quite some time. And just today in general, um, I'll remind you about this at the end of service, but um, we've got uh, got hot dogs for everybody outside because there's no better way to celebrate the freedom of our country than with hot dogs, grilled miscellaneous meats. Um, So we've got that for you guys on the way out. And we're also, we're going to celebrate freedom in a big, big way um, because we've got some people that are going to go public with their faith through water baptism. So, I wanna encourage you guys to stick around for that. It's gonna be a good time. We're gonna to celebrate together with them. Um, if you got your Bible or you got a smart device, I wanna encourage you to turn with me or swipe with me to uh, the very first book of the New Testament, it's the Gospel of Matthew. We refer to those first four books of the New Testament as the Gospels because gospel means good news. And the reason those first four books in particular are such good news is because they tell, of the, story, they tell the story of the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to use uh, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12 as our starting point here this morning. And we'll jump into that. Uh, we'll land there in, in, in just a moment. Um, this, this past, uh, over over the past little bit, um, as I've been doing some reading, studying, researching and everything, I came across a brand new word. It's a word that I'd never heard before. Um, and I had to look it up and, um, it's actually maybe, maybe I'm late to the party. Uh, perhaps there are those of you that are here much smarter than me. Well, there's definitely those people that are here but perhaps you've heard this word already. It's a part of your regular everyday vocabulary. I don't know, but, but this word, it's even hard for me to say. It's recidivism, recidivism. And I'd never, I'd never heard this word before. I didn't know what it meant and I came across it and I was like, hmm, that's an interesting word. I'm going to look that up and see what it means. And recidivism is the chronic tendency toward repetition of criminal or antisocial behavior patterns. It's the chronic tendency toward repetition of criminal or antisocial behavior patterns. And this is particularly used um, here in the United States of America uh, when we're talking about our criminal justice system. And in the United States, um, I looked up some statistics. In the United States, approximately 50% of individuals that are released from prison get arrested and imprisoned again within the first year of being released from prison. That number, you you stretch that out to nine years after they are released from prison. That number jumps from around 50% to almost 85% of people. So that means that they've they've initially been arrested and imprisoned for a crime, they get out of they serve their sentence, they get out of prison and then 80 almost 85% of them within 9 years will find themselves back in prison once again. And we scratch our head at that. I read those recidivism rate statistics, and everything. And I think, why in the world would anybody want that, that's been released from prison, why would they want to go back? Why would they, that doesn't make any sense to me. And, and I've never been to prison before, which is, I guess, a good thing. So I I can't attest to any of that. I really can't get in the mind of a prisoner and and figure out why they would want to go back to jail. But here here's what I can do: I can get into the mindset of someone who once or twice or ten times over has decided that they're gonna finally get healthy with their life and and change their diet, change their habits. Go to the gym and exercise. And I do really, really well for a week or two, maybe a month, maybe a couple months. Make my lunch at home. I go to the gym. I take it easy on the Mountain Dew. And then one day, I'll just be driving down the road, and Taco Bell will just be right there. And before I know it, I am 64 ounces of Baja Blast in, and I have Pintos and cheese residue all over my shirt and my face, and then it's just a downhill slope from there. So it's not because I, I, didn't, I didn't want to do good, it's, it's not because I didn't want to make these changes, it's not because I didn't want to stay away from that, but, but something just happens, and I find myself going back to that old way of life, that old, those old patterns, those old cycles. And, and it seems like, to me, the things that we know that are bad for us, the things that we want to get away from, they just have this sneaky, aggravating way of creeping back into our lives. And I've discovered as a pastor and, and being a leader in the church for quite some time now that, that most people experience this in a spiritual level Uh, Perhaps most of all, in their lives, we'll we'll have some. We'll come to church, and we'll have some incredible encounter. With God on on a Sunday morning or or we just took some middle schoolers to camp this past week. We've got high school camp coming up this next week. We're taking some more kids and perhaps it's at a summer camp or um, some some experience like that and and you've you've heard a message and you've responded, you've gone forward to um, to an altar, you've received prayer, perhaps you've even given your life over to Jesus Christ and, and the power of God has touched you in an incredible way and you would walk away from that experience saying that the chains were broken in your life, that there were burdens that were lifted, that that you're leaving that point changed from when you came forward. But then the very next month, you're back in the altar again. You're repenting for the same thing. You're, You're asking God to move in the same way that he once did and we find ourselves in this cycle just over and over and over again. We come forward asking God to move in our life. The power of God comes and he touches. We get up and we leave that place and we, we go back out and then... Before we know it, we find ourselves back in that same place again. And so we come forward, and we repent, and we ask God to move in our life, and and he does, and and, and we feel the power of God. The the, the Lord touches us in a mighty way, and then we go out, and we find ourselves back in that same thing again. And it becomes this rhythm over and over and over in our lives. And, And Jesus actually talks about this in the Gospel of Matthew. You can also find this in the Gospel of Luke. They're part of the synoptic gospels. But, but Jesus shares this, this story. In Matthew 12, verses 43 through 45, Jesus says, when, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest, but finding none. And then it says, I will return to the person that I came from. So it returns to its former home, empty, swept, and in order. And then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. And so it's 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 kind of it's kind of like this. Maybe I can maybe I can explain this. It's kind of like this. This, this is. This glass represents our lives, and 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 we start out and. We've got some sin in there, some, some stuff that, that we've got to, to take care of and everything. And so, so we, 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 we get to the place where, where we're hungry for God. We, we want him to do something in our life. And, and perhaps we come forward, perhaps we pray a prayer like we often do here uh, at the end of our messages each week. And, and, and we invite the Lord to come into our life and, and to forgive us of our sin and to clean us out. And we have this experience... And Jesus comes in and he washes our sin away. And then that's us. We're clean, we're empty. And we head back out into the real world. And all of a sudden, life starts to happen all over again. And, and, and there's people and there's places and there's situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in. And they're pushing us, they're driving us, they're, they're pulling us. Toward sin in every Way that we can possibly imagine, and and because because the devil knows that that we've come to a place of surrender in our life, he's working all that much more, uh, all that all that much more uh, hard on on us to to get us back on his side, and and so what happens is 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 evil spirits will, will come against us, and and um uh uh the, they'll they'll find that the, the the house is empty and it's swept clean. And, and now we find ourselves in, in a situation where, where not only do we have what we had before, but we have even more of it. And this is how we live our lives. And we find ourselves stuck in this, this cycle. And, and I, I think the reason is it's this, this idea of, of neutrality. It's the idea of, of neutrality. And when I think of neutrality, I think of a car. It's probably the best way to explain it. Um it's it's the N on the gear shift. We can put it in there. Uh, you know, we, we put the gear shift into in. We're not moving forward or backward, yet the wheels are able to spin freely. And when a when a car is in neutral, it's it's not going anywhere but rather it's at the mercy of the plane on which it sits or, or it is subject to its environment, if you will. If that car is on an uphill plane, it's going to roll backwards if it's in neutral. If it's on a downhill plane, it's going to roll forward. And, it, and, and at that point, it can at any time, it can be pushed by outside forces and moved in any particular direction. Direction. And for some of us, that is what our 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 life in Christ is like. That's what our spiritual walk is like. Sometimes we are doing great and we are moving forward and sometimes it's downhill and everything is going right for us but then other times we find ourselves on this uphill plane and instead of cresting to the apex we find ourselves moving backward and and we see these outside forces, maybe it's friends or or, um, uh, uh, just these other influences that come in that serve temptations that they're they're pushing us here and they're pushing us there and at every point they're pushing us away from the direction that we are supposed to be headed and they get us off course in our Christ walk from where we are supposed to be and we find ourselves just like this It's why on a Sunday, we can come into church and we can have an incredible encounter with God. We can feel freed from our sins and struggles. But when we get out into the real world, Monday through Saturday starts to happen. And that person, that place, that thing, it it comes back into our life. and, And it triggers something that ends up pushing us away from God. Away from him and back toward the place that we were before And we find ourselves in a place where the addiction will return and grow stronger, where the depression will return and grow stronger, where the fear is going to return and grow stronger, where the fill in the blank with whatever your thing is is going to creep back in, it's going to return, and it's going to be even stronger than before. And it's all because we've chosen to remain in neutral and we end up succumbing to the influences that surround us. See, what I've come to discover is that, that Satan, he doesn't need a mile. He just needs a tiny little crack, just one little chink in the armor. And he just has this way of wriggling himself in there and constantly over the course of time, just widening the gap, widening the gap, widening the gap. And the reason for this, the reason that this happens in our life is is really twofold. It's because, number one, we choose to remain in the sin that we've asked God to forgive us of. And in John 8, 34, Jesus says this. He says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins or everyone who continues in sin is a slave of sin." So part of the reason this happens is that, yes, we invite Jesus Christ into our life, we invite him to forgive us of our sins, but we continue to live the way that we used to live before Jesus came into the, into the picture. Nothing changes. And you all know as well as I do that if nothing changes, then nothing changes, right? Right? And so, so part of the problem is because we, we choose to remain in sin. We, we don't step into the new life that is offered to us by Jesus Christ. Yes, we've been forgiven of the sin, but we choose to remain in it. We choose to continue in it. And then the second thing, the second problem is, is connected to this. It's linked to it. Not only do we choose to remain in sin, but over the course of time, we'll, we'll start to rationalize it. We'll rationalize the sin that is in our life. And and, and Paul, he writes this to the the church in Rome because they were doing the same thing. And in in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Paul says this. He says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So there is this, there's this clear defining marker in the scriptures that, that once we have surrendered our life to Jesus, once we have made him the Lord of our life, then, then there should be a, a, a clear, a marked difference from the way that we used to live and the way that we live now. If anyone is in Christ, the old way is gone. The, the old life is gone and we are a new creation. The, the old is gone and the new has come. So there should be a change that is taking place in us us, but a lot of us can't understand why we're saved, but we're still struggling every week. We can't figure out why we're saved, but we're still stuck in all of this mess, and it's because we fail to realize that a clean house isn't enough. To have the house clean and empty, it doesn't just stop there. We have to invite the right tenant to come in and take up residence. It's not enough to just get Jesus to clean the house out. we got to be sure that, that the right tenant is living in the house. Revelation 3, chapter 20 says, Look, I, this is Jesus speaking, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus doesn't want to just come and save us. Yes, that's what he died on the cross for, but, but he, wants, he wants a relationship with us. He wants to be a part of us. He, he, wants, to be, he wants to be invited into our life, not, not held at arm's length and, and thanks, Jesus, for everything you do for me. No, he wants to be welcomed into our lives. And so this morning, I, I can't think of a better thing to talk about today than how to get free, but then how to stay there. Because I, I think a lot of us, we, we understand the concept of, particularly if we've been in, in church for any amount of time. If you go to, um, to a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church, you're going to hear how to get free on a regular basis. But I think where a lot of us miss the mark is even though we understand how to get free, we have trouble staying there. And so I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about how to get free and stay there. So I'm going to bring three, uh, three points this morning, three ideas, three truths. So if you're taking notes, write these down. The first thing that we've got to do if we want to get free and stay there is we have to know the truth. We have to know the truth. John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So then the question we have to ask then is, what, or perhaps who, is the truth? If the truth is the thing that is going to set us free, then, then, then that's what I want as a part of my life, right? I want to be sure that, that if, if, I, if knowing the truth means that I'm going to be set free, then i got to figure out who or what this truth is so that I can be sure and know it. So the first thing we got to do is know the truth. And, and, and in John 14, 6, Jesus reveals this to us. He reveals it to his disciples. It says, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I think it's important to point out the, the there's no gray area in that verse. Jesus doesn't say, I am a way, I am a truth, and I am a life. He says, No, I am the way the truth and the life. I am the only. It's just like we sang about earlier. It is Christ alone, period. There is no room for anything else. It is he and he alone. But But yet we live in a world and in a society and in a culture that when we walk out the doors of this church and we go out into the real world, there are a whole lot of truths that are floating around out there. And we're even encouraged by people across the spectrum, some of them even well-respected church leaders and pastors that encourage us to find our own truth, right? Just whatever truth works for you, whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you feel happy, whatever path you can find to kind of walk down and, and get forward and move forward on. There are a whole lot of truths out there. I need you to understand that, that as far as from, from my perspective and as far as what Christ Walk Church believes, there's, there's one truth. And, and if there's something out there that claims to be the truth, but it's not in line with God and his word, then that thing is a lie. And it is not the truth. There are not multiple roads. There are not multiple truths out there. Jesus said, I am the way. There is the way, the truth, the life, and that is it. And we've got to get in line with that. Anything else out there claiming to be the truth that is not in line with that statement, that it's not in line with Jesus Christ and his word, it is a lie. And here's what Jesus said about lying. It says the devil in John 8, 44, the devil has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and is the father of lies. That means that if there is something out there claiming to be the truth that is not in line with God and his word, it is not from God, so therefore it must be from the devil. So we have a choice to make. What truth are we going to believe? What truth are we going to believe? As for me and my house, truth is only found in and through the person of Jesus Christ. And it is by that truth and through that truth alone that you and I can be set free. That's it. There is no other way. I love this quote from Warren Wearsby. He's a, a theologian and an author. He says, it is through communion with Christ that we find victory and become overcomers in deed. It is in communion with the truth that, that we are made victorious, that we are set free. But the problem for a lot of people, Christians included, Maybe some of you are in this room and you wrestle with this. Maybe you're watching with us online and this is something that you wrestle with and I I hear it and I see it all the time. You need to know that it's it's okay if this is a struggle that you have. Let me put that to rest for you this morning because the problem for a lot of us, even Christians, is that communion with Christ, we find it difficult or we misunderstand for some reason because Jesus isn't here with us in the flesh. We can't just reach out and touch him right we have these questions and and the enemy places these doubts and these fears and and everything in our mind like how can i know someone how can how can i have a relationship with someone if they aren't physically here like how does that even work that seems so weird that seems so foreign and 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 if if that If that is the case, then then how how is it possible then for me to to really know the truth? If we're saying that that Jesus is the truth, but yet I I can't see him, I can't reach out and touch him, then then how can I engage in this relationship to truly begin to to wrap my head around it, to know the truth? And, And there's a couple ways that we do that. Number one is through his word, through his word. John chapter 1 tells us that in the beginning the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This, this book, this Bible that we preach out of and that we teach out of and that we read and that we live our lives by, this is not just a book. This is not just leather and ink and paper. This is the this is physical manifestation of Jesus Christ that you and I have been given. We hold it in our hands. Some of you have been holding up your coffee table and making it level with the physical manifestation of Jesus Christ. For years, you need to pull that bad boy out. You need to dust it off, and and you need to re-engage with his word. Because when we open his word and we read it, it, it's it's us engaging in relationship with the physical person of Jesus Christ. It was Jesus' prayer for us, for his disciples, not only the twelve, but those who would come after them. In John 17, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he went to the cross, in verse 17, he says, make them, he's talking about us, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And if Jesus said, I am the truth, and he's saying, and, and my word is truth, then he is his word. And the two are not separated from each other. This, when we read and we, when, we, when we touch these pages, and everything, we, we are physically Encountering the person of Jesus Christ. So it's through his word. The second way is through his spirit. Through his spirit. John 15, 26. Jesus says, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the father and will testify all about me. So he said i'm gonna go away and when i do i'm going to i'm going to send an advocate to you i'm going to send the holy spirit to you it's that third person of the trinity and when he comes he, he he's going to come to you from the father and he's going to testify all about me and the things that he says are going to line up with the things that this book says because they are one in the same if if this is jesus then his spirit, what his spirit communicates is going to be the words of this book. They're going to to be in line with and and in congruent with each other. So, So if we want to engage in relationship with Jesus Christ, we must do so by engaging with his word and his spirit. And we will quickly find that his word will point us to his spirit, and his spirit will point us to his word. And that is how we discover. That is how we enter in. That is how we engage with in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's through his word, through knowing the truth. Number two, we've got to not only know the truth, we've got to obey the truth. We've got to obey the truth. John 14 verses 15 through 17 and then verse 26, Jesus says this, if you love me, Obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives in you or he lives with you now and later will be in you. He was talking about the day of Pentecost that was yet to come. Now he is with you, later he will be in you as you become baptized, you become filled with him. Skipping down to verse 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. See, the Spirit is going to point us back to his word. They they work in conjunction with one another. And it's one thing to know something, it's an entirely different thing to obey it. And, and when we obey God's commands, it sets us up to receive his gifts, to receive his rewards in our life. It's, it's the same for those of us that are parents. We do the same thing for our children. If you clean your room, we'll give you an allowance. If you get good grades, we'll, you know, like all of these things, it's, it's an if then. And, and we do this, that, that if this happens, then you're going to be gifted, you're going to be rewarded on this end. And Jesus says, he says, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you an advocate. So if we love God and we obey his commands, that sets us up then. It opens our life to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit that's going to come into our life. This advocate that serves as our comforter that will lead us to peace and hope. Services serves as our encourager to give us help and strength for daily life. It serves as our, our counselor to provide wisdom and knowledge. We have to make decisions. When we're obedient to the word of the Lord, it, it positions us to receive this Holy Spirit that is going to lead and guide us in those directions. And the more that we obey the truth of God's word, the more we will experience the power and the truth of his Holy Spirit. And the more we experience the truth of God's Spirit, the more we are reminded of the truth of his word. It's this big cycle that works hand in hand. We do the one thing, we get the other, we get the other. It points us back to the first thing. That's what it means to live this Christian life. That's what it means to, to not just get set free, but to stay there and walk and live in that freedom. That we start out by knowing his word in our minds, but, but then we, 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 we know the truth of here, but then we obey the truth right here. It's when it takes root in our heart. So we know it and then we obey it. Number three. We engage in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We we get set free and stay there by knowing the truth, obeying the truth, and then finally receive the truth. We've got to receive the truth. We've got to receive the truth. John 16, 13 through 15. Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. But he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. The Holy Spirit's going to come on the scene. And the Holy Spirit is going to communicate to us the things that he is receiving from the Father. The things that he is receiving from the Son. We read in John 14, 26, that whatever the Spirit has received from from Jesus, that that he's going to communicate everything I have told you. What Jesus is talking about there, he's talking about the Gospels. This is when Jesus was on the scene and he was actually communicating in the flesh to his his disciples. He's going to remind us, he's going to communicate everything that I've told you through, through the message of the Gospels, which is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. So the Old Testament comes to fruition and it is completely and fully fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And we have his story. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the Holy Spirit is revealing that to us. In, in John 16, 13, Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into all truth. This is where we have Acts and the epistles. This is is the practical application of all the things that we learned about Jesus and who he was in the Gospels. He's going to guide us into all of that truth so that we can know this is what it looks like to be a part of the church and to live a Christian life in community with other believers. Later in that same verse in John 16, 13, he says, And the Holy Spirit's going to tell you about the future. That's why we have the book of Revelation. We know how this thing's going to turn out. We know how it's going to happen. He's given us all of this. And so Jesus in the flesh, he's the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And he presents this, his life, these 33 years that he has to give. He gives it to his disciples. And then his disciples, they take it and run with it and the church is established and leaders come up in the, in the church and, and, and Paul uh, among them. And he's writing these letters, teaching people how to apply the principles of the gospels, how to apply the things of uh, 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 that Jesus taught us so that we'll know how to live and how to interact as believers. And then and then John is given this beautiful revelation of how everything is going to turn out so that we can see where we're headed in all of this. And that is that's that's why the Holy Spirit came to, to lead us and guide us into all of that. That's why he's called the Spirit of truth. As I just said, John 14, 17, Jesus said that the Spirit is going to lead us into all truth. In John 16, 13, he says, He's going to guide you. The Holy Spirit is going to guide you into all truth. Just some of the truth? Just a percentage, a part? No, all the truth everything that he has for us. The Holy Spirit is going to lead us and guide us there. And when he does, that is going to bring about freedom because where the truth is, when we know the truth, then we will be set free. I like to think about my GPS, right? I'll get in the car a lot of times, traveling, I don't know where I'm going. And so I'll punch in the address and Sheila, that's, the annoying lady who talks to me, we've, we've dubbed her Sheila. Yeah, she sounds a lot like that. <laughs> this little blue line will come up on the screen, you know, and, and it'll, it'll show me like turn by turn, step by step, everything that I need to do to arrive at my destination. And, and here's the thing, even though I'm the one that initiated that connection, I don't have to listen to a word that Sheila says. She can say turn right, I can turn left. She can say go north and I can go south. I can do whatever I want to because I'm in control. But I've I've found that when I don't listen to her, I end up in the wrong place. See, we don't have to listen to the guidance, the direction of the Holy Spirit in our life. We We can forge our own path. And here's what I found out happens whenever we do that because I've tried it that way as well. And whenever I forge my own path, I end up looking like this right here. It's just yucky. It's messy. It's dirty. It's not good. But what if we decided to, to receive the truth and the fullness, to, to be guided into all truth, to be led into all truth by the Holy Spirit its operation in our lives? What, what if we chose to accept the Spirit's guidance and follow His lead. Paul tells us what will happen. He's very clear. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So that looks a lot like this. See, this is us right here. This is us right here. And this is the Holy Spirit. And when we allow the Holy Spirit, I'm going to make a big mess, but it's okay. We'll clean it up later. When we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our life and fill us up to overflowing, you see the transformation that starts to take place. When we get full of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden we see that all that black, all that yuck, all that nasty, it's gone. And then we, we quickly discover that as long as we're full of the Holy Spirit, guess what? There's not room for anything else. There's not room for anything else. And so, so the enemy comes back our way and he comes knocking on our door. And we're like, nope, sorry, no vacancy. The inn is full. You can't come in here. All because we've chosen to live in accordance with the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We invite him man, in to receive him afresh and anew, to wash out and, and cleanse us and, and purify us. And then we, we invite him to stay. That's how we stay free is because we invite the Holy Spirit to stay in us. It's not just enough to have that, have that house empty and swept clean, but we invite the presence of the living God to come in a fresh and a new and to fill to indwell to to stay there When we're full of the Holy Spirit, there's not room for anything else. When we're full of the Holy Spirit, the chains of addiction in our life are broken. When we are full of the Holy Spirit, fear doesn't have any choice but to flee and run the other direction. When we are full of the Holy Spirit, doubt is replaced by faith and confidence. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, depression transforms into joy. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that thing that you are struggling with, that thing that that is weighing you down, that thing that you're constantly just in this cycle of over and over, and over, it is broken off of your life, and you are set free, not just once, but forever, and then we come back again, and again, and again, and ask the Holy Spirit day, after day, after day, week, after week, after week, month, after month, after month, year, after year, after year, to fill us afresh, and anew, and as we do that, it will lead us, and guide us, into all truth, and then we open up God's word and the Holy Spirit illuminates his word to us. And we obey his truth, which opens up a greater reservoir of, uh, for, for the Lord to pour out his spirit in us once again. And we create a new cycle in our life. See, salvation in Jesus is what gets us free, but saturation in the Holy Spirit is what keeps us there. Salvation in Jesus gets us free. Saturation in the Holy Spirit is what keeps us there. Because wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So that means if the Holy Spirit lives in me, then I will be free. If the holy spirit lives in me the only result the the only thing that we can deduce the only thing that the scriptures point us to is that that if we'll be willing to open our lives and say holy spirit pour yourself fill me from the bottom to the top to overflowing if the holy spirit lives in me then i have no choice but to live free and instead of that old cycle of struggle and sin and surrender and struggle and sin and surrender and struggle. And instead of that old cycle, a new cycle is created. And our mind is transformed as we choose to know God's truth. And, and our heart is transformed as we choose to obey God's truth and his commandments. Uh, our life is transformed as, as we constantly surrender our will to the spirit of truth and follow after his leading and guiding and direction. In just a moment, I'm going to invite some people up here to receive prayer. If you're here today and, and you would say, Pastor Blake, I, I, I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to live free. I'm tired of being in this cycle. I'm tired of constantly going back. And you're ready to receive the, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you want to invite him in or to, so, so that you can leave here different, you can leave here free, and, and not just a one-time thing, but an ongoing thing. So we have to keep coming back to the Holy Spirit. I, I ate yesterday, but I'm going to plan on eat again today, right? That's how we stay full. So even though we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit today, we're going to come back to that well tomorrow and the next day and the next day. We're we're starting this new pattern, this new cycle in our life. And if that's you, here in just a moment as the band leads us in worship, I want to invite you to come forward and, and receive prayer. That by coming forward, you're saying, Holy Spirit, I'm opening my heart, I'm opening my life to everything that you have. I want you to lead and guide me into your truth to the truth of the word, to the truth, the fullness of Jesus Christ and all that he is so that I can live free. But before we do that, I, I wanna give an invitation for anybody that would say, you know what, Pastor Blake, I, I want that kind of freedom, but, but but first I need to take the first step and I need to have that initial cleansing. I need to get my house emptied and and swept clean and in order so that I can be a vessel worthy of the Holy Spirit coming into so that he's got a place to dwell. I I need to make some room here this morning. And that begins by stepping into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here in this room. Maybe you're watching with us online. If that's you, I just want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. You're ready for for Jesus to come in to be Lord of your life, to clean you out of all the junk, all the gunk, all the muck, all the mire, all the sin so that now you're a clean and proper vessel ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Heads bowed. We just pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that jesus died in my place making a way for us to have a relationship today i choose to follow jesus and his way for the rest of my life amen 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 we hope you enjoyed this episode of the christ walk church podcast don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes to find out more information about Christwalk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.